He is good news indeed. We uh, celebrate Christ this season of the year and the profound difference that He uh, makes in each of our lives. He brings good news. We uh, join together today here at the very uh, beginning of Lent, uh, seeking uh, to grow deeper in Christ, to draw to Him. And in that, may we know the fullness of His presence for our lives and the grand good news that is the one who lived and died and rose again. You uh, may have heard the uh, term patient zero. It's one that was clearly kicked around a lot during the, the pandemic. Patient zero is understood to be that person who is the first to become infected with an illness or a disease in an outbreak. We will probably never know who patient zero was for the COVID-19 pandemic. Scripture has long since identified patient zero when it comes to the pandemic of sin, a pandemic that has infected the world since the very beginning of time. From the very first pages of the Bible, we read about Adam, who due to his waywardness was the first to introduce sin into an otherwise perfect world. And it has been downhill ever since. The Apostle Paul writes about that in Romans chapter 5 as he develops a treatise about the problem of sin and its remedy. Of course, we, we know that remedy to be Jesus Christ. We, we read about that specifically in Romans 5, verses 12 through 17. Let's hear this important word from God's Word. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass, of the one man. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? This is God's Word, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us. Not only as we hear this read, but as we seek now to take uh, this word and apply it to our lives, may God bless us all. 
Well, I have a brother, and his name is, is Mark. He is a really good guy. He and I uh, favor one another, save for the 20 or 30 pounds that he has on me. Now, don't tell him that I said that. I also have another brother. I am like him, and he is like me. We are one and the same when it comes to, to bad choices, playing the blame game, willful disobedience, and generally straying from what God wants. My brother, Adam, and I are more alike than I would ever care to admit. I am thankful, though, that Adam and I have taken divergent paths. I'm thankful that, that Jesus Christ has set me on a path where bad choices, laying blame, constant disobedience, and continually straying from God's will is not as prevalent as it might otherwise be. I'm thankful that Jesus has laid claim upon my life and turned me around. Upon reading Scripture, it is clear that Adam introduced sin and death into the world with what he did in the garden. As we know from Scripture, Adam ate the fruit that, that God had said was off limits. Now, he did that at the urging of Eve and based upon the deception of the wily serpent. The serpent coaxed the, the two of them, Adam and Eve, into eating the fruit by telling them that if they ate the fruit, they would be like God. Isn't that the way sin is? We attempt to be God, taking our own lives into our own hands, doing our own thing. When we sin, we choose to be the Lord of our lives rather than letting God fill that role. So if Adam gets us into sin, Jesus gets us out. While one man may have said no to God and set humankind on a downward slide, Another man, the one man, Jesus, said yes to God and puts many right with God through what he did. The good news is that there is now obedience instead of disobedience when it comes to life in, in Christ. There's, there's righteousness in, instead of sin, victory instead of death, and life in, instead of, de of death. All of this is a matter of choice, and it demands a response of faith. This stuff of obedience, of righteousness, of, of victory, of, of new life, all of this demands a choice on our part, a response of faith. It calls on the full-on surrender of our lives to Jesus Christ, to the place where He is number one and we are not. All this talk about Adam brings up the, the notion of original sin, the notion that we are fatally flawed right out of the womb. It's a tough concept. It's one that is born out of this uh, passage from uh, Romans 5 and in other places, but 
pointedly here at Romans 5, it, it's one that's, that's tough to grapple with. Even as, as we read the Scripture to, together just a few moments ago, you just get the, the sense of the weightiness and the toughness of that Scripture. I look at things this way when it comes to original sin. I am like Adam in that I'm human just like, like he was. I am also um, willful and wayward just like him. In a word, I am sinful, just like Adam was. As Paul puts it in Romans 5:12, death came to all people because all sinned. Paul puts it this way in uh, Romans 3:23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no one excluded. We all sin, actually. And because of that, we are, in fact, sinful, save for the good news that comes our way in Jesus Christ, good news that is ours to accept or reject. I figure this about original sin. If we are in Christ by consent, and indeed we are, then we are in Adam by consent as well, as we sin, actually. It all comes down to a matter of choice. Salvation is always available. It is not always accepted. In reading Romans 5, verses 12 through 17, I'm, I'm, I'm struck by the very hopeful words that, that Paul offers. Romans 5, 12 through 17 is, is not easy to interpret. There are other parts of Romans that are that way as well. It's a weighty book, and you have to, to wade through it, sort of brood over pretty much everything that is written, despite that which, which is tough. There are some things that come through loud and clear, and that loud and clear, at least in this passage, is a, a loud and clear message of hope for every person. Upon reading our passage for today, you will notice that, that Paul uses the phrase, how much more. He repeats that a couple of times in Romans 5.15 and then again in Romans 5.17. How much more. That phrase, how much more, moves the discussion from a consideration of sin to a wonderful emphasis on the grace and love of God. In verse 15, we read, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? How much more has that overflowed to you and me? Now, notice the exclamation point here, right at the end of that sentence. Paul is excited to report the good news of Jesus Christ, all that God has done through His Son. He wants to share that. He's excited about doing that, and he puts an exclamation right at the point where he talks about the good grace of God through Jesus. In verse 17, we read, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, 
Jesus Christ. And again, you notice there's an exclamation point. We have gained so much more in Christ than what was ever lost in Adam. That's good news. This is the very thing that Paul wants to get across, that we have gained so much more in Christ than what was lost in Adam. As I've mentioned on other occasions, I firmly believe that Paul was a, a grace man through and through. It was grace that had turned Paul's life around. This one who, upon giving his life to Jesus, knew it wasn't the law that was going to save him, but the grace God offered through Jesus. That would be the thing that would, would turn his life. In Christ, Paul knew that there was no way to attain God's favor by good works alone. And believe me, Paul had really tried. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a, a Pharisee. As to the law, he was righteous. He had, he had really tried, but he, he had come to the place where that had fallen short, particularly when he came face to face with the very grace of God offered to him through Jesus. Paul sums up all of that really well when it comes to what he writes in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is grace, not works, that brings salvation. The gift of, of God's love is not earned. It's simply received. Sometimes we have a hard time coming to grips with that. God's great love, His grace, is that which is, is, is received. We, we don't earn it. It's not any sort of good works that we boast in. Hear this. There is enough power available in the grace of God to overcome the power of sin every time. And that's why Paul lifts up this notion of grace so often in this very tough passage, particularly a tough passage talking about sin. It's not always easy talking about that, but he knows full well that, that in God's grace there is enough power to overcome any sin. That's the good news of the one man, Jesus, the good news Paul wants to get across. And it is the good news that it is, that is ours to receive. That great song, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, shares this about Jesus. It, it says he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. So we'll be talking a, a lot more about that as we continue to make our way through the sermon series we'll be, uh, uh, be having during the season of Lent. We'll be talking about sin, our waywardness, our selfishness, our desire to just go our own way. Sure, that's going to be a, a point of, 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 of emphasis as we make our way through these 
uh, weeks of Lent. But above all things, we'll be talking about the remedy. We'll be talking about the good news. We'll be talking about the grand potential that is ours in Jesus for new life. With all that in mind, and particularly uh, in, in, in thinking about that great grace and the opportunity for new life, let me invite uh, someone who is no stranger to, to many of you. Uh, Ashley Dillingham uh, grew up in this church and is very much a part of the ministry here. And she has a, a wonderful uh, story to, uh, to tell today, to tell of new life and the great ways that Christ is blessing her life. So, Ashley, you come and you uh, share with us. And we're so thankful that you're here today and that you uh, are sharing that which uh, God is doing in uh, your life. We, uh, we call that a witness, you know, a witness of the good things that God is doing. Ashley, come, please. Good morning. I'm Ashley Dillingham and have been a member of St. John for over 40 years. After several years of not being present in church, I finally returned in January of this year. Many of you know that I've been dealing with a lot physically, but very few knew the full extent of it. I'm finally ready to share my story of what kept me away from church and what finally brought me back. My testimony is about always believing in God, but feeling completely abandoned and having anger towards Him. So many members of this congregation never gave up on me, and through them I was still receiving God's Word. I just couldn't see it at the time. Today I will share my journey of tragedy, triumph, and how I was finally able to let go of my anger. Jeremiah verse 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. But for me, I couldn't see a future, and all hope was lost. It wasn't one situation that caused this, but a chain of events, and there was no end in sight. Our physical health directly impacts our mental health, which has a profound impact on our spiritual well-being. The last five years of my life have been plagued with significant physical health issues, but it's been the last few years that took the biggest toll on me. Within 29 months, I had 150 different lab tests and scans, nine procedures, six surgeries, and was diagnosed with four new chronic diseases that are extremely serious and rare on top of my already multiple sclerosis diagnosis. I remember praying to God, not for physical healing, but to just let me have inner peace. No matter how hard or how many times I prayed for this, it wasn't answered. So I then switched my focus. I started praying for insight into the reason all of these bad things were happening. Still no answer. I eventually stopped praying for myself. I continued to pray for others, but I truly felt like God had forgotten about me. My mental health continued to decline, and I shut everyone and everything out and became somewhat of a recluse. 
I didn't want to engage in a conversation because all I knew to talk about were my illnesses. My social skills were completely absent because I was in a full-time relationship with my diseases. It was so exhausting and I was drowning in a complete sea of depression. As I continued to battle my physical and mental health, my anger towards God grew so much deeper. I never stopped believing, but how could he let one of his children suffer so much and for so long? My soul had crumbled into hundreds of pieces, and I thought any chance of hope and happiness were long gone. Psalm 139, 23. He knows when we sit, when we stand. Couldn't he see that I had fallen? I'm a fighter, and I don't give up easy. I tried so many times to get up, but I always ended up on the ground again. I eventually became tired of fighting to stand up, and I surrendered to the fallen position. This past November, a tragic incident almost took my life. It was this incident that has forever changed my life. You know, the greatest thing about miracles is they actually happen. I could suddenly hear God, excuse me, answering all of my questions. He hadn't forgotten about me, and my journey of physical and mental pain were all a part of his bigger plan. He hadn't intervened to stop the pain because he wanted me to feel of it, all of it, to prepare me for the next chapter in my life. I've been so blessed to have the most amazing parents, sister, niece, friends, and a church who were there for me through all of my hardest days. But so many people out there with chronic diseases are suffering physically and emotionally and they don't have that kind of support. They feel alone and hopeless, but not for long. The next journey in my life is gonna help those people suffering so that they know they aren't alone. I'm gonna be launching a podcast called Beautifully Broken, and it will focus on chronic diseases that take a complete toll on your mental and spiritual well-being. I've always loved this quote, and feel it's so true for my situation right now. Your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. This is my gift back to God. Because I have suffered and felt every emotion that comes with chronic diseases, I'll be able to connect to so many people out there who feel like no one in the world could possibly understand. I can proudly tell you today that I have absolutely no anger towards God, and that for the first time in so many years, I feel beyond blessed. I found a happiness that I didn't think was possible, and that longing for that internal peace, I've regained that. It was a long five years of pain and suffering, but God's plan for me has given me the best purpose in life I've ever had helping others. I'm not naive, and I know that with my conditions, I've got a lot of really tough days and years ahead of me. But now knowing why, it's gonna make it a little bit easier. If you're in physical, mental, 
and spiritual turmoil today. I pray that my story has given you some hope. Life is hard and so incredibly messy at times, but God is with us every step of the way, even when we feel completely abandoned. Thank you all for allowing me to share my journey and may God bless each and every one of you. Ashley, thank you. New life in Christ. Transformation of heart and mind. All the hope in the world. Jesus, the miracle worker. He is the very one upon whom we stand. He is uh, clearly truth. Truth upon which we stand.